It is the Brink, your favouritest podcast, maybe. Let's be honest, there's at least 87,000 better podcasts out there, but we'll take the mantle of being the 87,001st best podcast that you know or love or listen to or all of the above. But we're excited to be back for a Monday episode of the podcast. Not a Sunday episode, a Monday episode. It's a bit weird, but there's reasons behind that and nothing exciting to really share for that. Let's just say recording schedules got changed and we're here on a Monday instead. But it's actually a bit of a different episode in general too because we were hoping to uh, bring a few more people back to the fray here, Josh and the likes, but uh, again, scheduling all got a bit skew-if. And we're here to bring you a somewhat shortened episode, so to speak. So on the show today, you're going to hear from Mr. Nochista in New Zealand. We're going to be talking a little bit about Women's World Cup. And speaking about the Women's World Cup, Jimmy Kearney Allen, who hasn't been on this show in several, several years, but he and I went to several Women's World Cup matches over the last month or so. And uh, we've got a little bit of a clip to play with him and I that you're going to hear very, very shortly as well as a best of clip to get to throughout this. But I wanted to, to touch on one thing because next year... And the history of this show will be 20 years, essentially, since since we began, in some form or another. Back when we were still EC schoolies and jab schoolies, 2004 was that year. So it's technically 20 years this year that we're on air. But uh, recently, I recorded my 4,000th episode of either podcast or radio, which, of course, you've been on the journey with me all that time. But uh, just wanted to take that opportunity to to thank everyone who has maybe been with us along this very long journey. And we, we realize that maybe there's only one or two of you that regularly listen to this show. And we, we realize we're no Joe Rogan, but the people that do tune in, I appreciate you. Just want to share that with you. Share the love. Share the the the, the love out there and the, and the passion that we have for the, the very few people that have stuck with us across this journey over the years. So if you're listening to this, you've, you've been with us since the beginning or even a large portion of the last 20 or so years, let us know. We'd like to hear from you because... We like hearing from people. It's fun. It's nice. And you would listen for a reason. Maybe you're just bored. I don't know. Maybe you're just like, hey, that brink's on. Going to listen to that. But if that's your reason, good enough for me. So uh, I'll take that. But I wanted to take a brief opportunity to at least send that message out there too. Because we've got some exciting things coming. A lot of exciting things coming your way from this program. Next year is going to be a big year for the brink. A 20th year on the air in some form or another. But there's going to be Brink Unleashed is going to return next year as well. Haven't had a Brink Unleashed uh, done in about four or five years, so that's going to be back next year, and uh, some celebratory things done for that as well. So uh, if you're a fan of my voice and the Brink in general, well, you're going to have a good time in the coming weeks, months, and years. And on this episode too, because I'm going to make a sound play, and you're going to come back, and you're going to hear from Jim. It's been a very long time since we've had our next guest here on the Brink. I do very much remember recording an audio segment with him in this very stadium about seven years ago on a very memorable day. But we'll talk about that at the moment. Let's see if I can actually for once pronounce his surname. It's Jimmy Colonel Our Kearney. Jimmy K. How do I say it, Jimmy? Uh, it's Jimmy Kearney Owen, and I'm glad to be back, Ben. Okay, I, I got there very, very close there. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show, Jimmy. Um, we are sitting right now in what is now known as a core stadium. We were here in 2016 on NRL Grand Final Day to see the Sharks win their 
only premiership. Great day. What was the stadium called? Was that still Telstra Stadium back then? Uh, I think it was called Allianz. No, no. Yeah. Ah. ANZ. ANZ, that's ANZ it. Stadium. That's it, yeah. I'm just getting old, Ben, so my memory's not that great. Uh, well, I went back to Telstra Stadium. That was even before ANZ Stadium. But we're here at State of Origin, Game 3. It's half-time right now. New South Wales are leading Queensland. Um, it's exciting to be here with you, Jimmy. You're obviously supporting the blue team. I'm supporting the maroon team. How have you found the uh, first half right now? Obviously a bit of a better first half for you. Yeah, it's been going great at the moment. New South Wales scored some great tries, leading 18-10, but in these State of Origin games, it goes up to the last second, so you never know because Queensland's a pretty good team. It's always an amazing atmosphere at these games. Obviously, this is a dead rubber. Queensland have already won, but, I mean, there's at least 60,000, 70,000 people here. Not quite as full if it was a decider, but, I mean, the New South Wales fans have turned out in droves and it's a great atmosphere. Yeah, it is a great atmosphere. I know this is your first game. What do you think about it, Ben? Uh, my first one in New South Wales, Jimmy. I went to one in Queensland, of course. But, um, yeah, I mean, similar to that. It was the opposite in, in Brisbane. It was a game three that New South Wales had already won the series, so it was a dead rubber, but it was 50, 55,000 Queenslanders. A great atmosphere, one of the best atmospheres I've ever been to a sporting game. And, I mean, it's, it's, on, it's on the same level. Uh, I mean, those New South Wales chants are pretty epic, and I'm pretty impressed that you guys have shown up when you guys... I mean, your team hasn't showed up for the first two games, so I think it's good that the fans have at least shown up, right? Yeah, it's a bit dis- yeah first two games are a bit disappointing. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll win this game and, yeah, won't be a clean sweep by the, by the Queenslanders. Now, you and I will be here next week and uh, also a couple of times over the next month for the Women's World Cup. How are you feeling about that? Ireland, Australia, in a week's time at the time of recording this, 80,000 people for the opening game in Australia, at least, of a World Cup in this very, uh, very country. Oh, uh, yeah, um... I'm pumped. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, it should be a great tournament, and uh, hopefully, most of the Australians will come out and support it. Are you thinking that the Matildas will go deep? How How are you feeling about the uh, World Cup for the Matildas? Um, I'm hoping they'll probably get to the quarters, uh, but I don't know because my favourite probably England or the USA. So come. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this England love, Jimmy. I'm not not too sure about that. But you obviously got a a few tickets to some of the other games with me as well. I'm very intrigued. Now, we might do a recording at the game next week, but Colombia, South Korea. Now, I don't know if you ever thought one day I'm going to go see a World Cup match between Colombia and South Korea at midday on a Tuesday. Uh, I know it's it's a bit strange, but, you know, just come out and support, support the tournament. A few games on in Sydney, so may as well come and, and come and you know just get in, get in here with the atmosphere. Eleven games, I believe, in Sydney, which is uh, pretty exciting. Uh, you've also got what round of sixteen, quarterfinals, semi-finals. Are you going to keep jumping on the resale site to see if you can get a final ticket at all? Um, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Just fin- fingers crossed. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I recommend it because uh, having missed out on. One of the games, I finally snuck on there and got a ticket to the England-Denmark game, so that was good. I feel we're going to get decapitated here because it seems to be a trend of throwing these Go New South Wales signs down far into paper aeroplanes, which I got whacked in the head at the uh, NBL finals of one of those. So they are quite. Have you ever been hit in the head? You nearly got hit in the head there a second ago. Almost, but 
didn't you we get a, get didn't you get in the head with a beer at the uh, soccer a couple of months ago? I did. By uh, I was with you and and Phil. That's right. Uh, the co threw a beer at me because I was sitting there in a Pacific FC jersey cheering for the Wanderers. Go figure. But you guys are rabble, right? The bloody Sydney FC fans. Uh, are you going to hold on? And New South Wales going to win this? Um, I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Right. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Well, I say no, boo, but um, let's hope it just is a good second half. Thanks for joining us on the show. It's good to have you back. No worries. Go the Blues. We always like to cross the ditch to find out what is happening in that part of the world by also getting this exciting sound playing at the same time because it's Nick Chester. Nick, welcome back to The Brink. Thanks. I hope you went and uh, stood in a paddock and and, uh, put the microphone (laughs) up to those sheep and and got their opinion. That actually was um, when I was living in New Zealand. uh, One time I visited a brothel. So um, <laughs> yeah. just thought I would. I always like to keep that sound as a as a That's good right. old memory. We were reminiscing Nick off air about living in New Zealand. Well, you still do. I'm sorry about that, but um, you know that one. Do you remember the, when I actually came there? That that like week that I spent, and we had that lovely little uh, trip to around the the North Island. We did the the Sky Tower and uh, all the fun bits of the fair of New Zealand. I enjoyed that little trip. Yeah, I think did we do like Waitomo Caves or something mm, like that as well? We did. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did a few fun things. Yeah, and I remember like um, we drove uh, quite around a bit, and then we like Hamilton Gardens, which I really yeah. enjoyed. And then yeah, no, I enjoyed that little visit. And we we did the golf in the middle of the lake. Was that right? Oh yeah, that's right. That's Talpo. Oh, yeah. that Talpo. Yeah. That was Talpo, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Oh fun. yeah, and that weird, that weird guy, at that brewery, who was like, mm. wouldn't shut up about his beer. It was like it was like two of us there, wasn't it, for a brewery tour? Yeah. And it was yeah. like, yeah. yep. Okay, that 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 was fun. Um, yeah. God, that was seven years ago, Nick. That wow. was seven years ago. Wow, look at that. Uh, we're not here to reminisce. We're here to talk about serious stuff. Like World Cups, because that's what we talked about last time, but that's happened since because the Women's World Cup, this seems to be like the Women's World Cup wrap-up edition of The Brink with everything that's sort of happened. It's been a while since we've been on air. But the New Zealand perspective, because I know when we last spoke, I think you kind of touched on that maybe the vibes weren't as big as they were here in Australia and ticket sales were a little bit worrying and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you guys shattered in. Didn't you break, I think, the record for biggest football attendance ever in your country about seven different times and... I think the top three didn't even involve New Zealand. So, uh, obviously, it, it was quite successful in your end of the ditch. But uh, give us your viewpoint of it, Nick, because you also ended up going to a game too. Yeah, I think it's – I mean, it's typical New Zealanders. Like, we're just – we're slack at getting on board with stuff until it's actually happening. And then we kind of just jump on boots and all and, and get really into it. And, um, I mean, it certainly helped with um, the football ferns winning the opening game. You know, it was um, crazy to think. Like, it feels like – you know, like months and months and months ago now, mm. but it wasn't that long ago. But that was like we had that kind of like downtown shooting in Auckland the same day. I don't know if you remember yeah, that's that. That's right, but it was, I do, yeah. Yeah, and so it was like this kind of quite sombre start to the World Cup. And, and then, yeah, the, the Kiwis had their uh, played their best game first and, and got everyone really excited. And then uh, it all kind of went, went downhill from there for the football fans. But I think kind of it, it got everybody kind of in the right frame of mind. And, and from there, I, th- I think people would, like just genuinely got excited. It wasn't even just for the football fans. I think it was just having this event in your own backyard. People kind of got quite excited by it. And yeah, I think I, I think an, an interesting experience for me personally because um, I live in a town that wasn't a host city. So it was kind of like this is happening, but it's kind of not really happening for me. And then I obviously went to a game. I went to the 
Sweden versus Argentina game in Hamilton. Um, and um, you kind of drive into this town where it's actually happening and there's, you know, the flags are up and you know, there's, a, there's a real buzz about the city and, and Hamilton's quite a big um, um, like migrant town as well. Like lots of migrants and refugees live in Hamilton. So you, you, you got a real kind of melting pot living in that city as well. And so you could just feel that vibe there. And then I've um, had a couple of work trips to Wellington and the first one um, was towards the kind of knockout phases of, um, of the World Cup. And so obviously there were still games happening in Wellington as well. So I've actually been able to be in two two cities that were host cities while the while the event was going on and yeah definitely a real a real big buzz and I think it's probably a real kind of testament to to Kiwis that we stayed with it even after our team got knocked out early because often I think that's the way of like yeah you're excited while your team's in it and then kind of fades away when they're gone but we did kind of stick with it and and yeah there was lots of really cool stuff happening so yeah it was great. That first game was incredible I think in the perspective over here because I was at stadium australia sort of ahead of the australia island game while your game was on and there's a bar right next to the olympic stadium and they sort of had it on a big screen kind of that people could see on the outside and there was you know a significant crowd sort of getting ready for the australia island game they're having a drink some food watching it and when new zealand scored that goal outside the stadium everybody went off like no word of a lie australians i think there's the loudest i've ever heard australians cheer for new zealand ever and just everybody was going crazy. And we got talking to this one woman who was a Kiwi woman. She was probably like in her mid to late 50s. And she had bought a ticket for a month to travel around Australia to watch all these games. She'd been playing soccer her entire life. And she was in tears. And this was, there was still what, like half a game to go. I think you guys scored that goal, didn't you, at the end of the first half. So it wasn't like, you know, that was a last minute winner. But just that, that I think from that moment on kind of set the tone for what that month was going to be. And I just, I loved seeing that. And because everyone in Australia was then cheering for the football ferns to, to go well. That game against the Philippines, you know, we were cheering. And then obviously ultimately that draw against the, uh, the ever boring Swiss. But, you know, I mean, I think it just, it was great then to see everybody in your country get behind all those other games. To still get 42, 43,000 people at, quarterfinals, semifinals, and as you said, games without New Zealand. It just, it really was sort of special to see that from you guys. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, 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 was, it was tough with the whole football fans thing because they set themselves up to kind of just get into those playoffs within two games. Like they never should have lost to the Philippines. And actually, as it turns out, if they'd even drawn that game mm. and the rest of the results stay the same, um, you know, that, that they would have gone through. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just they really, look, I'd never really expected them to beat either Norway or, or um, Switzerland. But obviously they put themselves in a great position with that first game. And I think if they'd just gone through and won that game against the Philippines like they should have done, and they actually played really well in that game, they just couldn't quite find the goal. Um, and the goal that got scored against them was this bizarre kind of like really close range, like got hit basically straight at the keeper. And she kind of like almost like bounced off her. And, and you were like, into the goal. by like a millimetre, weren't you? Oh, you had a yeah, disallowed yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty tough. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, like, if your team only scores one goal in three games, they're not going to get out of the group. And so I think that's where we kind of let ourselves down. We just didn't score goals. And um, you, you don't get very far in this tournament if you don't score goals. So, yeah, I think it was really cool. I mean, the game I went to, I think, was after New Zealand had been knocked out. And so then there was still a massive buzz about the place. You know, it was still everybody was really into it. And um, there was a good crowd for that game, considering it was kind of like the, the game I went to was a bit of a dead rubber, like Sweden had already qualified for the knockout and 
I think Argentina were already out, so there was like no, nothing on the line, and there was still like really great crowd. Like the Argentina fans were just like banging drums the whole time. I had this really loud, and, and I mean that in a nice way. This really loud and into it kind of Swedish woman behind me was like yelling in Swedish the whole time. It was great. I really really enjoyed it. Well, I was going to ask that about the Argentinian crowd because the best game I went to, and not just because it featured Germany, was Germany Colombia, and that's mainly down yeah. to the Colombian fans. I went to three Colombian games and my lord they are incredible fans and so many people here in sydney kept saying that the best game they went to too was germany columbia because the atmosphere at that game was incredible i mean i went to four england games five england games four england games and i've got to say england disappointed me the most in terms of just their fans actually not being like how you think they are Uh, a dutch game which outside the stadium the dutch fans were absolutely insane but did not bring that into the stadium it's like they left it outside and just didn't bother bringing it in but the colombians every time the germans i mean i loved all of that but the south americans i heard uh, a lot of people say that they went to say brazilian games they were the best games they went to featuring brazil so it's obviously that south america one so i'm glad to hear that the argentinians even though they were eliminated and obviously their, their women's team not quite up there with their men's but still obviously brought a lot of atmosphere yeah, I think it's it's probably the way that people kind of um, take in their sports. I'm quite surprised saying that about England, and I do wonder if there was just like almost like this air of expectation with the England team, so there wasn't really a huge kind of atmosphere behind them. I don't know, but like I don't know if you've ever been to you've been to England cricket game, probably. Yeah, probably I mean been I've been to Ashes to, and stuff. We had yeah. Nashes in Hobart, and obviously yeah, a smaller crowd yeah. one days. But you get Barmy Army, even Hobart, yeah, they wouldn't yeah, send them. Yeah. You'd get a little, little pocket, and you'd have that chanting yeah. and that English style which I was expecting in a football game it yeah, just wasn't yeah. there yeah I remember I went to a New Zealand England test match um, in Hamilton and same thing it was like day one of the test match and it was just insane like yeah. the Barmy Army were right into it and so it's just it's interesting because I think probably the English men's football fans are probably more into it and I do wonder if there's something comes with like when you expect your team to kind of win or do really really well you maybe aren't as excited about it whereas you know, when you're there just to create an atmosphere, and I think kind of South American um, football fans are, are kind of crazy, but like the music and the drums and all that kind of come with it. Um, it's just kind of part of the way that they they kind of um, digest football, I suppose, or however you might want to say it. So, yeah, I think it's probably. I mean, Kiwis are so like one of the things I hate about going to rugby games is like Kiwis are so kind of staunch and they kind of don't get into it. And so like you kind of like, unless there's actually like a big move and there's a try about to be scored, like people sit there like, like genuinely quite absorbed in the game, but they don't kind of react to it at all. And so like it is really quiet. And, and I find that quite hard being, being a kind of um, premier league football fan and kind of every game there, it's just like fans screaming and singing the whole time. So it's, it's interesting just how different teams kind of, um, or different, different parts of the world, I guess, kind of, um, yeah, like take on their football and, and how they kind of how they actively engage in the game or, or don't. I'm glad you said that about New Zealand because that's one thing I found about New Zealand was that crowds always surprised me. I think we've talked about this before, particularly at rugby games. Like I remember, you know, going to a couple of super rugby games and I went to a, a Chiefs Highlanders game in Dunedin that was a draw. It was very close, very tight. Like it was a draw right at the yeah. death. And basically everyone was just like, oh, bro, it was a draw. Cool. And then I just left. Yeah. I'm like, what, look, yeah. where's the atmosphere? What's going on here? But then yeah, yeah. having been to a Super Rugby game here in Sydney 
And then also a Wallabies game. I feel like it's maybe just rugby crowds in general because it's a bit like, oh, we're here to cheer the rugby. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I think, though, if you go to like a – I think if you go to an All Blacks game, I think it's a bit different. Like, I think if it's like All Blacks versus versus Australia or something, it's probably really different. I think go to somewhere like Twickenham, you're mm. probably going to get a real kind of different crowd. I think, I think it definitely is part of the Kiwi culture. Like, I remember going to a concert over here and um, – like the crowd just weren't into it and it was like these American performers and they kind of like basically had to say to the crowd like come on get into this and it was like it was quite embarrassing to be there because like like you don't want to be the one that gets up and gets into it because then like you're the one weirdo in the entire crowd so it's definitely there is definitely a Kiwi mentality to that like we don't want to show too much emotion it's just maybe it's kind of like an English colonial thing or whatever I don't know it's definitely like the one thing I will say about from an Australian perspective of soccer slash football whatever you want to call it is that I definitely think we don't really get that culture because at every Matildas game I went to, and I've been to a couple of Socceroos games in the past, we have like one chant and then we just don't develop from there. And I will say Mm. like the atmosphere built like from, you know, the opening Matildas game to then around a 16 and then that semi-final, you know, against England, I I will say, you know, maybe the, the best moment of atmosphere I experienced at the World Cup was when Sam Kerr got that goal to tie it up in that semi-final for eight glorious minutes. It looked like we were on a chance <laughs> of making the final before we shut the bet. But I mean, to be I, like, I was right behind the goal where she scored it, and just the insane level. I don't think I've ever been in a sporting game and experienced that level of euphoria ever. Like that was just insane. But then it's football's just, a bit like that, though. Yeah. Football is kind of because it is real kind of moments, like in a standard. And when you score a goal game, like that too, like it's like fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And but I think kind of like rugby is also like a, a normal game of rugby. There might be like two or three or four tries, yeah. so you have kind of those moments. But then you have con- like you have penalties and stuff as well. So yeah. there's often like lots of kind of scoring moments. Whereas I think in football, like. A standard game of football, you know, like if you have four goals across a game, that's a lot. So, like, like there is like a real release of emotion when you watch game of football because the actual goals don't come thick and fast as a general rule. Yeah, very, very true. That's a good point. We did have a very cocky English supporter near us in that semi final. So when they scored those last, <laughs> just I just we wanted to we wanted to uh, to slap it down. But I will say that the fun one actually was the round of sixteen game between the Netherlands and South Africa. That ultimately should have been the USA. So they had, of course, yeah. scheduled that game for midday yeah, on a yeah. Sunday for the TV audiences, assuming yeah. the US would top the group. So I will say there were more American fans at that game than there were South Africans. Uh, there were, and Americans beat Americans. They still showed up in their Team USA gear, yeah. and which was great. But that was that was the beauty of sort of all the later stages of the games because, you know, I met several American fans at the quarters, the semis. You know, they, they, they were sad that they were out, but they were still like, we've travelled here from the US, uh, we're going to wear our American gear. We don't care. I met some Canadians at the final. They were in their Team Canada gear. Like, yeah, you know, suck. We got eliminated in the group, but we're still here. And that's one thing that I think kind of surprised me. And this is, again, no disrespect to a Women's World Cup. Obviously, with each edition, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's sort of, you know, being on par with the Men's World Cup. But I wasn't sure. Do people travel for the Women's World Cup? Do people come from the other side of the world for this like they do with the men's? And Clearly they do because it was, you know, just that level of atmosphere. And you would see every, you know, so many different countries, people wearing different jerseys and all that sort of stuff at, at, you know, particularly the final as well. So I don't know if you saw that in New Zealand that you sort of saw that. Obviously America was based there, so you probably would have had a few more Americans in your part of the world. But, yeah, I just loved seeing those travelling fans. 
I think probably it's hard to tell because I think a lot of people used it as an opportunity, like people who who have moved over here from whatever country used it as an opportunity to kind of like, like my my impression from kind of the that that loud Swedish fan. My impression from kind of the people she was with was that she was a, she had married a Kiwi or something like she was over here like she she hadn't travelled from Sweden to watch that. I also think it's like it's quite interesting to look at like where the strength lies in women's football and a lot of it is in North America. So I think mm. probably there were quite a few people travelled from USA and Canada especially um, because there that's where football's really strong and probably Netherlands because that's another team that's really strong and maybe Sweden, I don't know. But I think probably like your South Americans probably didn't travel because none of their teams are super competitive at the moment. But it's, uh, even this tournament, it looks like that's starting to change and maybe you're going to see the, the more traditional kind of European South American teams start to evolve as well. So I, I, I didn't get the impression there were a huge amount of tourists in the country to come and watch the football, but it's hard to tell. And again, like I say, because I was in a city where it wasn't a host city, it, that was really hard to to evaluate. Mm. Um, and I mean, when I was in Hamilton for the game, there were just like Argentinian fans everywhere. But they could have been, I mean, Auckland's only an hour and a half's drive from Hamilton, so they could have easily just been all the Argentinians who live in Auckland had, well, had gotten a car. Yeah, I didn't know down, how so. many Colombians live in Sydney until this World Cup. So yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I used to work with a Colombian, and she was really passionate about about her country and about football. And um, you know, if Colombia had been playing over here, she would have absolutely have been there. Mm. Um, so I felt a bit sorry for her actually because she was part Colombian, part. Costa Rican, so both oh. teams were playing over in Australia, not in New Zealand, which was a bit of a well, shame. Well, I, I work, I, I work very closely with the Swede, and uh, I think the only right. time he got to see them was in the third place playoff here in Australia. Yeah. So, right. Um, right, you know, which I mean, I got to ask just on the results side of things outside of New Zealand. I know you're a bit of an English fan, so how did you feel about the final? I mean, you know, England once again, uh, not quite uh, bringing it home. It's not coming home. Were you disappointed? Oh, I mean, not really. I mean, I was pretty agnostic about the actual results, to be honest. Like, I didn't feel like there's a lot right. And I mean, that's not even a Women's World Cup thing. Like, I, I really don't care all that much about international football, to be honest. Like, I guess I am an England fan because I've got family from England and was brought up following England, but I don't really care all that much. Um, I'm definitely more focused on the club I support as opposed to the country I support. So, I mean, given a, given a choice, I would have liked to have seen England win, but I wasn't, like, crying devastated that they lost and they just didn't play well enough in that final to deserve it so you know like you can't really complain when you don't turn up at the final (laughs) it's just the way it goes was there any sort of slight cheering from the kiwis for the matildas i mean that that took over here in australia that was insane they definitely no they definitely was um and i think kind of like even if you look at like when the football ferns got knocked out um they kind of asked our coach like who would who should we be supporting now and she's like definitely australia so i definitely think there was um you know i think if you guys had actually gone on and won it we probably wouldn't have been happy happy about that that would have been probably a step too far to see Aussie actually win we would have got a public uh, holiday and you guys would have been shitty oh we just would have never heard the end of it um but but yeah I think um they're definitely and I mean like to be honest like because I was just thinking today like what are the games I really enjoyed and almost all of them were ones that Aussie were in like not all of them Aussie won like you know I really I thought that Nigeria Australia game was awesome as as, you know like as a as a neutral-ish supporter but I thought the um, Australia Canada game was fantastic like it was just it was just such a kind of like you know you thought this was going to be this real close match and then it just ended up being a bit of a trouncing Um, and you know I 
I thought that the, the semi was actually a really high quality game. Um, so yeah, there was that one as well. And then I think there was another, was it one of the other knockout games Aussie were in Fran- was really the France good. France won with the penalties that basically, uh, yeah, yeah. Not- I mean, that was, that was a good game. That was a good game too. Um, I think the only one I didn't actually watch was the Denmark one. Intended to, but fell asleep. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's, it was really interesting with the the Nigerian game. I was actually seeing Oppenheimer at the time, so I was kind of like <laughs> sneakily looking at the score, uh, and I saw it at one point. Oh yeah, we're winning, and the next minute I'm like, it's three one. I'm like, what the fuck happened? Um, and then the Canada game, because obviously my mixed allegiances, of course I wanted Australia to win, but like deep down I wanted Canada to top the group because that way I would have at least get to see Canada play once because I had tickets right. to that round of sixteen game. Whereas, you know, I was confident Australia could, like, you know, go through the other way. But uh, I was in a bar filled with Canadians that night. So that was um, right. quite quite right. an interesting one <laughs> there. Uh, World Cup, though, is about to start in about a week, is the Rugby World Cup, the Men's Rugby World Cup, the one that I think this is the one New Zealand cares about the most. And at the time of recording this, Nick, the All Blacks have suffered the biggest defeat in All Blacks history to South Africa. And now to put this into context... You guys lost by 28 points, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, the Wallabies, I think, we've lost like eight in a row now or something like that. But, you know, like, I mean, we lose by that every week at the moment at this point. But, I mean, that, I mean, I guess that just shows how good you are that a 28-point loss is your biggest ever. But is it panic stations right now, Nick? Right now, the All Blacks, New Zealand are about to blow up because you get beaten by 28 points by the Springboks a week and a half out from the World Cup. Well, I think the media would love to make it a, a big deal, like that. Like it was literally the leading story on the on the six o'clock news on Sunday night that the All Blacks lost. It's like, uh, <laughs> to me, I find it hard to get too worried about it because, it, like the week, oh, sorry, two weeks out from the the World Cup starting, you can't, you can't tell me these guys were like putting in full on tackles because like they don't they don't want to get injured like in a in a game that doesn't matter two weeks before the World Cup starts. So like if those guys were giving it everything they've got, I'd be stunned. Um it's yeah, it's a it's an it's a kickabout. It's like a friendly. Like, and that's the thing, like, rugby doesn't really have friendlies, you know, like football does. Like, you play friendlies against teams all the time, um, whereas rugby, like, kind of every game is competitive. So seeing this thing that's actually just really a kickabout for these guys to get some game time as opposed to actually – and we never want to lose to the Springboks. They've traditionally kind of been – them and Australia kind of been the two teams that we just never want to lose to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, who knows? I think probably – we would like to New Zealand probably want to try and avoid the spring box at all costs until we absolutely have to like a final. And I think the way that things work out is that if we lose the opening game against France, we're probably going to get the spring box in the quarterfinals, just the way that the, the draw goes. So from that perspective, it's a bit nervy because France looked good. And, you know, like at home opening game of the world cup, you could easily see the All Blacks losing that one, um, and then all of a sudden we're faced with after weeks of playing Uruguay and Namibia, we end up having to take on the Springboks. Like that's not great, and I think most Kiwis probably like we desperately want to win the World Cup, but we definitely don't want to finish outside the semi-finals, and that's only ever happened once to the All Blacks. So I think probably there is a little bit of nerves, but. I would probably tell people not to be too stressed about it. Um, I think what's really interesting is that opening game against France. Um, the All Blacks are the only team to have never, ever lost a pool game. Like, we've never lost um, a, a pool match wow. in Rugby World Cup history. Um, and this is probably the most likely time it would ever happen. Um, 
so it's really interesting to me because I actually think like one of the most important games in the entire World Cup is the first one because um, yeah. it's probably going to set the trajectory for the rest of it. Like every time this happens, though, like it's like we hear all this shit basically that you know like the Northern Hemisphere teams are going to own it this time round, and like it's never happened. Like England won it once, Don't you know, in, in, in extra time. Like, Don't bring that you know, up. Like, yeah. <laughs> Australia could have won years. that, so it's not, it's not like England were dominant in that World Cup. You know, like yeah. you know, they were a good team. Don't get me wrong, but you know, like it's not like there's ever been this period Fucking of Wilkinson. dominance. So, like, it, I don't know. I, I I think the rubber hits the road when the game actually start, the games actually start right. So, I think probably let's not get ourselves too too wound up about things but that's Kiwis for you it's, it's interesting because I think probably like this feels like the most low key build up to a World Cup ever yeah. and I, I think there's probably a lot going on in New Zealand right we've just had this football World Cup we've got a freaking election in a month's time or six weeks time like I think the world and there's a cricket World Cup we've just had a netball World Cup I think kind of it's like this thing's just kind of been lost in the shuffle a little bit so I think probably if New Zealand really shit the bed and it all goes wrong, I think it's probably the the, the one time we'll probably get away with it, it's, to be honest. It's, fa- it's so fascinating you say that because I, I remember being there four years ago and, you know, getting excited for it and it was a pretty big-ish deal. I, I mean, I remember being in a bar for that. You guys' opening game was against the Springboks at that World Cup four years ago. I remember yeah. that vividly because the Stags in the Mitre 10 Cup at the time had won in like five years and we won, finally <laughs> won a game. So we were in a bar with like fucking half-drunken Mitre 10 Cup players. They'd won a game in five years watching the All Blacks beat. <laughs> that was a great night. Um, but what well, semi-finals, I think, you guys, did you not get eliminated in the semi-finals? Yeah, yeah, England beat ago? us in the semis. Yeah. yeah, whereas, I mean, it's, it's fascinating to think that yeah, you're straight away up against France, who, you know, hosting the World Cup. Well, did they not host a World Cup only recently, France? I feel like they just had a Rugby World Cup. Well, the thing is, the Northern Hemisphere ones, often they end up being kind of co-hosted. Right. Um, so, like, you know, even if it's often, like, France and Wales and England, like, all hosting it together, and it's like, so, yeah, I think probably 2015 was an England England World Cup, but there might have been some games. maybe? I know. Yeah, the I think I think us. seven. Yeah, I think two thousand and seven. I think uh, they were definitely. I think it was hosted technically by France, but because uh, I yeah, no, they did France two thousand seven. They hosted yeah, it. Yeah, because that's the one that the All Blacks got knocked out in the quarterfinals. Mm. Like France, France lost one of their pool games, and so ended up. Um, basically coming second in their group, which was a bit of a surprise. We met them in the quarterfinals, which was in Cardiff. Like so, the host team were playing a, a, a knockout game. Not in their own country. Um, yeah, it was very odd. Um, so, so yeah, I, I remember that one. So, yeah, because it's, yeah. it's weird just looking at the hosting. Because I keep forgetting Australia's hosting it in twenty twenty seven. We only had it yeah. in two thousand three, and only since like yesterday we had it. So uh, I, yeah. I went to a game. I remember that vividly. And then the US, of course, in twenty thirty one, which would be interesting. I mean, I look. I think Australia are worried that we're not even going to make it out of the group this rate. I mean, it's all like, oh, Eddie Jones, yay, he's back. And we haven't fucking won a game since he started coaching it. I went to What's, the Wallabies. I went to the Wallabies yeah. Argentina game. It was embarrassing. We lost at the death. I'm like, what the hell? We lose Argentina now? What's going on? Well, well somebody needs to check in on Eddie. I, I don't think he's all right. He, I, there's something he's gone seriously kind of like off the deep end and like conspiratorial. And, you know, like I think so kind of like we've. Coach England. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, uh, it's all very strange. Like people. Journalists asking him very mundane questions, and he thinks they're they're after him. It's like it's, it's all very odd. They but I hope you guys do all right because I, I've drawn you in one of our work 
sweepstakes i've oh, got wow. australia so so i really hope you guys do all right and i, I might got, make some um, money off it well i got england in the work sweep for the uh the women's world cup so i won 50 bucks so oh, um, okay you know but uh, it's actually did you know they did a movie on eddie jones that uh tamara morrison played him uh the when japan, oh, yeah. when japan beat uh south africa they did a movie that's right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i yeah. thought that was incredibly weird i i would like to say it. it's uh, you mentioned the what's really strange because like the Cricket World Cup is generally early in the year, right? They usually do that in like March, April, but for some reason it's late in the year. So the Rugby World Cup actually overlaps with the Cricket yeah. World Cup. We've got a Basketball World Cup on at the moment as well, which I don't know yeah. how that's getting... Like, it's just it's the, the World Cup part of the year. Let's just put them yeah. all on at the same time, which how... I mean, just... I know we're a bit far away from the Cricket one. We'll probably get you on before that, but I mean, obviously the wounds of 2019 are probably still there. But I mean, you had a pretty successful last four years, Uh New Zealand, you won the Test World Championship and you, you did all right. I mean, is there a bit more confidence that you, I mean, because you deserve it. You, you deserve a Cricket World Cup. You deserve 2019. You won that World Cup. Everyone knows that. Yeah, let's not go there again. But we, we did we, we did lose to um, the United Arab Emirates in cricket like last week. So um, I, I, I don't think we're likely to do particularly. I mean, you never know. And that's one of the things I quite like about cricket is that weird shit often happens in cricket and I think I, I, I yeah one of the things I really struggle with cricket is that it's so dependent on pitches and if you're playing on pitches that your team is used to you tend to do better and so you know you'd, you'd put a lot of money I think on India or Pakistan winning this one because it's in their part of the world they know what the pitches are like and so I, I, I really hard because it's not like it's not like rugby or football where the pitch is basically the same anywhere um, it's such a like the, the location is such an important part of cricket but that's the thing you just never know what's going to happen on the day and um, I hope you know like it's interesting with the Rugby World Cup is that like France is our is our kind of hoodoo team for the All Blacks like we often end up getting knocked out by France for whatever reason um, and we're kind of India's hoodoo team. We seem to knock them out of World Cups quite often. Um, right. So, so yeah, like because um, I remember we got into that. Was it the 2019? Yeah, it was the 2019 final we got into on some kind of weird Duckworth Lewis. The game went over two days, like weird I shit. That. Yeah. Um, so even getting into the final was a bit odd. Um, so, so yeah, you just you just never know what might happen. So yeah, keep 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 our fingers crossed. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the weird thing about the Cricket World Cup because they change the format every bloody year. I think this time around, yeah. it's everybody plays everybody in the group, uh, and then just the top four teams go through to the semi-finals. I mean, bring back the days when, like, I mean, I know the Netherlands are in it this year, but like, bring back the days of, like Canada and the US are playing, and you got like, you know, like thirty-two teams. Make it like a, a soccer World Cup. Like, just fucking do it. The basketball will do it that way. But anyway, well, well I kind of I kind of grew up on memories of the nineteen ninety-two. Cricket World Cup, mm. which we co-hosted, and that was a similar format, right? It was mm. like all, and there, I think it was only eight teams or ten teams or something. It was ten, like I think. Zimbabwe back then was a fresh team. Yeah, like, what was yeah. Zimbabwe. Yeah, I remember that. We had a game. And, every, Hobart, and everyone had those kind yeah. of, yeah, everyone had those those same um, the shirts same, yeah, with like yeah. the rainbow the shoulders. Retro. They've come back. Yeah. They're really nice jerseys. Those ones. Yeah, actually. yeah, that's yeah. right. And I, and, and I think we remember that one because um, we, I think it was the first time maybe New Zealand made the semi-finals, and then we got beaten by Pakistan in the semi-final. But Pakistan um, won it. They beat England in yeah. the final. Or didn't they remember yeah. was that right yeah, yeah the mcg yeah. yeah yeah and so i remember that being like really cool format in terms of everyone plays everyone and then you have semi-finals but um yeah you're right cricket can never decide what the hell they're doing like, there's no win in west indies this year right? like they didn't make it they got eliminated yeah they got um yeah, they had crazy. this weird qualifying tournament that's right yeah um but i mean we'll say that uh, there's every chance nick that the uh that cricket could be an olympic sport in 2028 the isc are going to be uh choosing their sports in about a month 
for 2028, right. and cricket's on the shortlist. So uh, I don't. If it doesn't make LA, I think cricket will be at Brisbane 2032. So I reckon we will have cricket in the Olympics very soon. Uh, final question without notice: Did you see Barbie and Oppenheimer? Did you get them behind the Barbenheimer trend? And uh, which do you think was better if you saw both? I I was never going to go and see Barbie. It was just never <laughs> never one of those. I mean, look look my 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 um, windows of opportunity to go and see movies um, these days are a lot smaller than they used to be. So I have to be a bit more choosy. But I did I actually saw Offenheimer only a few days ago, um, and um, I thought it was good. I didn't think it it was necessarily something you needed to see on the big screen. I think we all got a bit kind of apart from the obvious one scene of the yeah. the bomb test. I think kind of like. I think we all got a bit tricked into feeling like you have to see that on a big screen. I really wish Christopher Nolan would sort out his kind of sound design. Oh my like God, yes, right. You can't, can't hear anyone, can you? just can't hear anything. No. And I remember like, because I remember, I'm still burnt from Tenet or whatever oh, it was called. Like, going to, like, <laughs> like the worst film I've ever seen in, in a movie theatre. And that is saying something like it was, and not necessarily because it was a bad movie. It was just, I couldn't hear what the hell was going on. That was COVID though. We all um, were excited to see a movie. So like, yeah, oh, a movie, yeah, yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I thought Open was good. I think it was one of those great movies where you're just like, there's so many like famous actors in it. You're like, there's that guy and that guy and that guy, and like people turning up for like two scenes that you've seen on a great TV show. And you're like, oh my god, there they are. So I really enjoyed it. Um, it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. In terms of my favorite movie of the year so far, it's been a bit of a bit of a strange year for movies. But yeah, um, nothing's really stood out. I saw Jurassic Park the other day on the big screen, it's 30th anniversary. I'm like, oh, that's a good movie. That'll do well. Um, yeah, I remember seeing that like after COVID, before movies started yeah. coming out again, and like because you know we got out of lockdown before anyone else, and so they were showing old movies. So I went and saw I saw Jurassic Park in 2020 on the big screen, and I saw uh, all three Lord of the Rings on the big screen again, which was just but they just awesome. permanently just play in New it. Zealand, don't they? That's yeah, just like, yeah, pretty much. You just walk in, and there's something. Well, one I saw, of them's on. I think that was yeah, that was that period in Canada, and um, I finally got to see Back to the Future on the big screen. Um, yeah, and I think I saw the Santa Claus because uh, I love <laughs> yes, that movie. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's a good like what the best one this year. Um, I saw Gran Turismo last week. That was just what you would expect it to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, nothing amazing. Uh, I like The Flash. I'm one of the few people. I yeah, the Flash I, no, I, re- I really I really enjoyed that, actually. I think it was one of the better kind of... I get confused what's in the DCEU yeah. and what's not now, but I, I thought it was good. I think, you know, like, I think people try and pick apart particular scenes of CGI and stuff, but like other than that, I thought it was pretty good. I thought Guardians 3 was, was good. It was uh, kind of unexpected. Yeah, um, I, I, I need to see Mission Impossible again because I'm not enti- – I mean, I really I enjoyed, enjoyed it, but I think it was probably – it had gotten so hyped up in my head that it was going to be this good. And then I was like, oh, yeah, it was good, but maybe – and it wasn't a full story, of course, because it's a part one of two, so that makes it hard. Um, but I think I, ne- I really want to see it again just because like, – just to try and – Re like evaluate exactly what I think of it. You need to hang up with Colin. I think he's seen it about thirty times since we started this uh, <laughs> this uh, interview. Nick uh, always just, li- just lives at the lives at the movie theater. He, that man, like for you, think you have it hard having one kid. He's got like eighty kids, but he somehow can like ditch them all the time to go see Tom Cruise on the big screen. So uh, you know, uh, Nick, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We won't have a celebratory kiss after this. Oh, well, and if we do, there'll be consent. There will be lots of consent, Nick. You've heard from Jimmy and Nick today, so why not hear from another show of ours? The Oz Network, of course, is a show that falls under the brink umbrella of the big network of shows that we do produce out there. Myself and Colin generally host that one. A few other hosts will come on board with that as well, of course, 
Colin and I recently did an episode on the television show 24. We're doing a great coverage on that as we go over every single episode in the history of the show. And we got talking about a certain country in Africa that uh, could have gone a different way had we allowed it. But uh, let's just say it turned out a little bit like this. It, it was NASCAR great Carl Edwards. Um. That wasn't right. That was funny. You're on fire today. But like, I just love that line because like, you know, like I got like the, the prime minister of Swaziland's calling up like Mr. President. Good job. Oh, the president of Lesotho. There you go. Oh, freaking Johnny Depp. Hello, Johnny Depp. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Sorry, Mr. Prime Minister of England. I've got Johnny Depp on the line. Don't mind me. <laughs> Hello, Johnny Depp. Thanks for congratulating me. Like also like I get this is kind of a thing like like global politicians will call each other but like it's much more of a twitter thing now isn't it like people will tweet out but like is this the arrogance of america that after stopping a terrorist attack they're expecting phone calls and is this like a, well a cr- they did stop like five terrorist attacks today <laughs> right, okay fair point but like i'm not going to name countries because i'll probably get called racist but there are other countries in the world where worse shit happens than america if there's a yemen if there's a genocide in yemen you know, 17 mold gets shot. There's apparently like a freaking um, a coup going on right now in Nigeria, in Africa, which no one's talking about, right? Fucking Jack Bauer goes to Nigeria and like freaking stops it, stops 17 terrorist attacks, whatever. Fucking Joe Biden calling up the president of Nigeria. I'm going to look up who the president of Nigeria is because I really want to know who this person is. And like, kind of like, hey, President Joe. Well, no. Arrogance of America to be like, call me. I stopped something. In Mohammed Bazoum is the president of Niger. Mohammed Bazoum, I don't know anything about you. I don't know anything about your politics. I don't know if you're a good guy or a bad guy. If there's a coup going on, I'm guessing some people disagree with you. But, like, why on earth? Like, I don't know what I'm saying. The point is, arrogant America. I love you, America. You're arrogant. In reality... When that phone call comes in, it's here. We got the president of Niger online. He's like, it's pronounced Nigeria. <laughs> Nigeria doesn't exist. Joe Biden's going like, like Nigeria. I thought it was Nigeria, sir. They're different countries. No, they're not. <laughs> Next, you're telling me there's two Koreas. We got the the president of Senegal on the line. You mean Sengala? <laughs> <laughs> Turkmenistan's online. You mean Uzbekistan? No, Kazakhstan. How many stands are there? God damn it. One of the stands is on the line. Oh, stand number two to stand number three. Um, <laughs> go. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it is very much. I mean, I could also imagine, though, because of the conference with the Russians that was going on, that it would be bigger news around the world. And maybe they're picking this up in Niger. <laughs> they're picking up the news. But, Flavor uh, of the month. We've we'll never mentioned Niger on this show ever. <laughs> we were doing a thousand episodes. <laughs> we'll tick off your country bingo at home. Get a scratch map. Every country we've ever mentioned on the Oz Network and you win a prize. You know, we have analytics. Can we actually see if we have any listeners there? I mean, to be fair, do they even have the internet in Nigeria? I don't know much about the country. Like, I mean... Oh, now you've offended all our listeners well, in if Nigeria. if they don't have the internet, then they're not listening, so they're not going to get offended. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's a good I'm gonna, point. I'm going to look up and see if we have any listeners there. Uh, it's, I, I really hope we do all of a sudden, actually. I kind of, I'm a, I'm a big geography man. I can download locations right now of all time of our listeners from around the world. And I'm really sincerely hoping we have a listener from Nigeria. 
Because if we do, I want to get you on the show. Maybe the president listens. Like, I don't know. Um, we do not. Nigeria. Oh. Uh, so well, how got, big are we in Nigeria? Uh, only ever had 12 listeners in the history of... Uh, I don't know if that's like this week or like in history, but um, our, our, our countries begin with them. We have Nepal, Netherlands, New Zealand, Nigeria, Norway. No Nigeria. That's our new goal, Colin, to uh, crack the Nigeria market. Can we just get like some exclusive advertisement there? Like, what, what, what's like the the big TV show we could buy a thirty second spot on? Nigeria's got mm-hmm. talent. Um, Ni- Niger Entertainment Tonight. Niger uh, Idol. Uh, here we go. If I go, I can go to the uh, Apple Podcast All Podcast Niger charts. So the number one podcast in Niger right now is uh, Abdul Rahman Asudas, Muslim Muslim Central. The top five. Podcasts are all from a channel called Muslim Central. So, do you know much about Muslims being in the middle? I, I don't know. No, I just, I just, I tried. This is this is just showing how terrible this world is. I tried to look up what the biggest TV shows were in Niger, and Google corrected me that it's Nigeria. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not. Well, just going on some of their other episodes at number twenty-two on the all podcast chart of Nigeria. From the adult film star network, Sick Addictions with Jocelyn Stone. Ooh, they're a bit naughty, uh, Nigeria. They're into uh, their... their where, uh, does Nigeria have an ice hockey team? Um. <laughs> <laughs> In the, the junior Goodwill Games, they did. <laughs> There's a Nigerian men's national fielder. It's not Nigeria. Nigeria. All right? Look at this. Terrible Google. I know. They're different countries. God damn it. Anyway. Thoughts to all the people listening to Niger when they hear this in like 2029 or something like that. Niger has never won a gold medal in the Olympics, but they did win a silver oh, in Rio. What'd they win in? Uh, looking it up, they won a silver in Taekwondo. Oh, good for Niger. Well done. You Taekwondo, and those people. That was their first medal since 1972 in Munich when they won a bronze in boxing. Oh, you're saying they've actually won? Well, I thought they would have never won any. Good for them. Um, can I get a fun fact about Niger? Uh, I, don't, I, I literally know nothing about the country. If I Google it, you get a picture of a dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the hottest, hottest countries in the world. Uh, a 30-foot herb, herbivorous dinosaur. lived. They, they love their dinosaurs, apparently, in Niger. So Jurassic Park, Dominion, Niger. Good for them. Better uh, than what we actually got. Have we talked way too much about the country of Niger? <laughs> <laughs> Did you honestly think when we, we got to get a listener when you when we started this podcast that like I'm literally going to write the the synopsis of this episode is going to be welcome you know this is a massive episode the twist is here as we recap episode blah blah blah, blah. I'm literally going to write Nigeria 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 <laughs> I'm going to write it fifty times and then I'm going to end it with and what about that twist question mark listen now. <laughs> That is the synopsis of this episode. If you are reading... I, I, I might avoid it only because if people are only glancing at it, oh, they may that's think true. that it's oh. something else. Shit. Uh, I avoided I a lawsuit. Oh, that's a solid point. <laughs> Good job, Colin. You saved me. You saved... <laughs> <laughs> because then Mac Dawson would have been right. <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. Well, I'm going to write African country where we need more listeners. African country. I'm going to write that like 30 times. Oh, fuck. 
I'm I sure think, Max Dawson will still find an issue with it. <laughs> I think I told the story before about how I discovered what the N-word was accidentally as a child when I discovered what the country of Niger was. I There was a book in my primary school library and it was like about the country of Niger. So my friend and I saw it and we thought it was pronounced an inappropriate way. And we were like, I don't know, eight at the time. So we thought it was a funny word. So we kept calling each other that word, not knowing anything about it. And then one night at the kitchen table, I was eating dinner with my mum, my dad and my sister. My sister was being annoying. I called her the N-word. I learned a history lesson that day. I had no dinner. I went to bed and I was locked in my room for about a month. And that's how Ben became a racist. Uh, (laughs) Seriously, that is a true story. Uh, I'm, I'm so... Yeah, African, I'm just going to write African country. Uh, I don't even know. I'll word it something. It's funny. Ha, moving on. Um, so, yep, uh, prominent people in America. That would have made the best of it. That said, we went on for way too long. It wasn't that funny. Um, <laughs> if you're listening to this episode, think it's going to be the best of. I'm not editing all that out. Um, <laughs> or maybe I just did. Yeah, fuck it. I did already. Why not? And a big shout out to all our listeners in Nigeria. Not sure if anybody tunes in here. I could look it up, but I haven't today but uh it's a beautiful country so i've heard and if there's anybody listening from niger who wants to invite us to do a live live show in niger we'll gladly put our hands up and do it so uh we thank you in advance for the invitation well it's that time of the show where you get a little bit sad because we're closing it up that's another episode of the brink but a big thanks to everybody for tuning in today as i said at the top of the show we do appreciate your support and you listening into the program thanks again to jimmy thanks again to nick and thanks again to colin for being on another show but not on this show couldn't be bothered showing up this week lazy that's all i can say but plenty of stuff still to come as we continue on through 2023 hopefully we won't go as long between episodes at least and still bring you one at least once a month so we're moving into september plenty of stuff happening in september so stay tuned for some exciting things coming up there in the meantime, do all the things that you usually do at this point of the show. Like, subscribe, follow us all the great places you can follow us on. Just search for The Brink and we're there, basically. You'll be like, oh, The Brink, there you are. And then you'll be able to follow us and stay up to date with everything that is going on. I haven't seen this last bit in a while because usually I've had somebody closing this out with me the last few episodes. So, lucky Ben. Until we next speak again, thanks for tuning into The Brink. And remember to keep sucking those oranges, Hobart. And good night. Good night.